0: We have a topic before us that is worthy of our consideration. The Lord has ordained by his civil government in this country that we have a holiday on Thursday called Thanksgiving. Now, they don't say that in their uh, public announcement anymore. Nobody really knows who they're giving thanks to on this day in the world. But we know, we know the intent of the holiday when it started, when our forefathers uh, who came into this land uh, had a day of giving thanks And we know from many, many proclamations uh, over the over the years, even over the centuries that have been made, uh, what these days of thanksgiving were for. And therefore, the one purpose that Brother Adam read to us, and that's that Jesus Christ is worthy of praise, and we ought not to be one of the nine that didn't come back when they were cleansed and give thanks and fall down at the feet of Jesus Christ. Because there were nine that as they stood there and begged for the Lord to heal them, wanted and knew that He had the power to give them what they wanted, which was to be cleansed from leprosy, a terrible disease that they didn't want to have anymore. And so we often beg the Lord to deliver us from many things, from diseases, from enemies, from difficult situations, and He will do it, just as He did for those nine. But if we're walking along the way, and the Lord delivers us, and we just keep walking and don't come back and give thanks to the one who delivered us, then we are one of the nine. And that is a terrible thing. As I said in the uh, preparation yesterday, that it's almost as bad, and maybe it is as bad, or maybe it's an indication of the Lord saying to you, I never knew you. If you are not thankful for what the Lord has given you, then he may not know you. So let's consider these things this morning as we go to his word And we find eight different ways to think about Thanksgiving. There are always different ways we can turn and we can examine a facet of something in God's Word. And we've seen that from the five phases of salvation, from the facets of salvation. We've we've looked at things in this way. Our brother Nathan on Wednesday gave us uh, some of the facets of zeal, of godly zeal. So we're going to look at this this way this morning And we're going to start with judgment. I said earlier that we would have an opportunity to look at this from a positive way and a negative way. I'm going to start with the negative because there is a way that we have to be careful. There is judgment that comes if we're not thankful, and we want to consider that. And it is a motivator. God wouldn't have put it in his word if it wasn't there to motivate us. It is a motivator, just as chastening is a motivator. We just sang about chastening. And so we don't want to neglect that. We'll start with that, but then we're going to go to the many benefits. The many, many benefits that the Lord has given us. Excuse me. One of those benefits is the cold medicine I was able to take so that I can even speak. Thank you, Lord. Um, So this morning, we've got judgment. If If we are not giving thanks to the Lord, He will bring judgment in our lives. In Deuteronomy 28, And you don't need to turn there. I'll let you know, we've got a lot of Scripture to cover, and I'm just going to read much of it because I don't want to be long. And I want us to get to the second service where we put this into practice. And we need to stir each other up today, in our Thanksgiving, the mighty men of God, uh, just like David's mighty men, we don't go out and do battle uh, with swords and with um, shields and the things that David did when he was leaping over a wall and running through a troop. We do battle by offering sacrifice from our lips. And if we do that well, we motivate those that are under our care, we motivate our brothers in the church and our sisters in the church to give God glory, and then we can have a glorious day on Thursday as we've stirred one another up to do these things. There is an abundance of all things in our lives. God gave an abundance in the Garden of Eden, and it has continued. He's brought scarcity before for his reasons, but there's an abundance of things. And God said to, to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 28, Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee, in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. The warning is clear. If we don't serve the Lord with joyfulness and with gladness of heart, both of which are choices, not feelings, the feelings follow the decision to choose. If we do not serve him with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, if Israel, in, in Moses' time, if Israel had an abundance of all things, have you looked in your refrigerator? Have you looked at your refrigerator? Have you looked at the house that houses the refrigerator that has the electricity? I could go on. I'm not going to because those are the practical blessings. There, It's very easy to see the abundance of all things. We pray about it and thank the Lord often about it. But consider, stop and consider. And if you are not joyful or glad of heart, there will be cursing coming your direction. Joyfulness is something that should characterize God's people. And our brother Nathan did us a service because that joyfulness is part of zeal. It's godly zeal that stirs up and creates joyfulness of heart that enables us to speak with our lips and to move with our hands to do those things that show joy and gladness of heart. He will destroy us and give us want of all things. So he's given us good things and abundance of good things but the destruction, the judgment, is actually he takes all that away and gives us leanness or uh, the want of all things. And that happens both in a, in a practical sense, but it also happens in a spiritual sense. And we're going to get to the fact that we have been blessed with many, many spiritual blessings, yeah. unspeakable blessings, and we're going to highlight those rather than the things like electricity. Or 15 years ago, our brother went off about the decimal point and the blessings of the decimal point, if any of you remember that. We're going to look at at the things that are spiritually blessing us because we're reaching for higher ground. The great things that we have are wonderful, and we should give thanks for those, and even the heathen should give thanks for those things. We're going to reach higher. There's another judgment. Turn in your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, most of us are familiar with it. We've even been rejoicing lately because we see the fulfillment of Romans chapter 1 in our country with same-sex marriage being um, legalized throughout the land, it's just a, if, if that bothers you, I mean, it's, it should bother you in that sense. But if it bothers you that that's happening, don't let it bother you. How often have we prayed and said, God, bring judgment on this land for its unthankfulness? And that's what, the, that's what has happened here. In Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Amen. And for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Amen. So what you see in the world today is meat, just and right judgment of this nation, and the people that he has rewired to think to leave the natural, for a man to leave the natural use of a woman sexually, and to instead burn in their lust against or four other men, is visible evidence of God saying this land and this people is unthankful. And so he has given us, what did it say? It's the wrath of God is revealed. It's revealed. So when you see this perversion in the land, rampant in the land, God's wrath's revealed. That is his wrath. You may be thinking fire stones, you know, hailstones and fire coming down and destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the way he did it to Sodom and Gomorrah, and he will do that to this world. But right now his wrath is revealed in the rewiring of the, of the people that have turned, their, turned the world upside down when it comes to their sexual desires. But think about it. God starts out with the fact that the, he's not talking about Christians. He's talking about even the heathen should see in the creation and know, because they're without excuse they should know that there is a God, and that he created everything, and they should be thankful. Even if they don't know Jesus Christ, even if they don't have the Bible, they do have creation, they have an abundance of all things, they should be thankful, but they're not. And so God comes and judges them and turns them over to reprobate minds so that we can see his wrath revealed today. And we were told that it would be revealed in our days because Paul told Timothy that we were going to to um, see these things happen in perilous times, he said in Second Timothy chapter three, "This know also: that in the last days, perilous times shall come. for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, and so on. And it goes on to list even more things that they'll be. These are enough to characterize our generation. But notice that second to the last word in verse 2 is unthankful. That is a mark of the perilous times of the last days. And we can know if we'll just turn and look at this week that we've got coming up and this day of Thanksgiving when businesses in the land are debating whether to stay open on Thursday because they might miss out on some shopping hours. There is no thanks in their heart. There's no thanksgiving in their heart. They're all looking forward to bale Mass, and they're all looking, for, looking forward to their Black Friday that comes after Thursday so much that they want to move it to Black Thursday because there's another day off so people can go shopping to raise the, the, uh, the revenues for the businesses that they can be in the black because they've operated in the red up until today. This is an idea and a, a, a revelation of God's judgment on this land. The fact that they call it Turkey Day instead of Thanksgiving—it isn't Turkey Day. Have a ham. It doesn't make any difference what you eat, because you're supposed to eat whatever whatsoever your soul lusteth after, which we'll get to in a little bit. And mine doesn't lust after turkey, but you can have some if you want some. Or football games. Or newspapers that are thick. I don't even know if anybody gets newspapers anymore, Um, but it, it does come in the mail. Because they're advertising. They're pouring it on. They want you to come out and spend your money. It's Thanksgiving Day. I mean, they do this for other holidays, but how much do they pour into Thanksgiving advertising because of Black Friday? It's become this national obsession. People camp out in front of stores in order to get the latest and greatest and get the best deals. It's ridiculous. Who will stand in the gap? God is looking for a man to stand in the gap. Let's be that man. Let's stand in the gap and praise God and give Him thanks on this day, regardless of what the rest of the world is doing. Because we don't want God to bring into our lives the right and just judgment He is bringing into the lives of those that are not thankful. We must do so. So we have the negative. But there are, brethren, brethren, there are far many more positives than there are negatives. If the negative doesn't motivate you, and it should... But if it doesn't, there are many good things to motivate you as well. One of those is that we have a responsibility. You know, we've heard recently about the, uh, the, the kids back in college in Missouri and other places that want a free education and, and a free lunch and, um, you know, higher wages so that they can uh, pay for their toys, I guess, because they're not paying for their education anymore. And they're unthankful. They're ungrateful. It's a manifestation of a lack of gratefulness that they don't understand the fact that they're getting a higher education is a blessing, let alone uh, getting it paid for, that they're not going into debt for it. They forget something. They have a responsibility. They're looking for their rights. They're looking for, with their hand out for what they want instead of thinking, what, am, what is my responsibility to have the privilege of being in this institution of higher learning? What should I be returning? It used to be understood that way. It's another example of, of ungratefulness. But we have a responsibility given to us from Scripture about and for giving of thanks. In fact, God says in Christ Jesus that we ought to be thankful for everything. Everything. He says in, Th- in 1 Thessalonians 5, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. People are wandering around the world saying, What's the will of God for my life? I don't know. What does God want me to do? Give thanks and everything. They can do that today or they can do that on Thursday and fulfill His will, and so can we. I said earlier that we must enter into the worship of God with hearts in glad thanksgiving because of the negative things, but we also ought to because of what we read in Psalm 100. We read that together and we realize the Lord, He's good. He's good. It, we, just as Brother Zach pointed out, or I think it was Brother Adam pointed out, we're not worshiping a, a God that requires. Who did say that? Who said it was the that didn't? Eric said that. Sorry, brother. Thank you for saying it. We, he doesn't require blood. He doesn't require the sacrifice of our children. He doesn't even require the sacrifice of bulls and of goats. Instead, he requires the sacrifice of our lips and gladness of heart, giving praise unto him. What a wonderful God we serve. You know, we expect our beneficiaries, for example, our children, to be thankful for what we give them. We have that expectation. So as a father or a mother, when you provide something for your children and they're not thankful, you know, they just sort of shrug it off and say, yeah, give me that and and walk on, you turn them around maybe a little abruptly and cause them to give thanksgiving to you, not because... You think that you're worthy necessarily, but because you want them to understand, they ought to respect and be thankful for what's been given to them. How much more our Heavenly Father should He expect that of us? You know, in Psalm 26, David wrote, I will wash my mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. It's not just, it's not enough to just be thankful in your heart, to have a warm feeling of thankfulness, because thankfulness is not thanksgiving. I love the word thanksgiving because it's not thanks feeling, it's thanksgiving. So you have to do something, and the way that you give thanks primarily is with the voice of thanksgiving. David even says in Psalm 95 that. With with thanksgiving, we ought to make a joyful noise with psalms. We have 150 of them. Most of them are making a joyful noise that we can read and even sing in some cases. If it's a good thing to give thanks, is it not our duty to give thanks? If it's good, Psalm 92 says, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. So it is, and to sing praises unto his name. So we are then by definition to give it. And it's not just an Old Testament thing. You know, you think about sacrifices in the Old Testament. It's usually blood and bulls and goats and so forth. But right there in the Psalms, it was always a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It was, a, it was speaking and saying things. But even in the New Testament, Paul exhorted churches to give thanks. He said, in fact, that they were to abound with thanksgiving when he wrote to the church at Colossae. And he said that we ought to be thankful... That, well, let me read this to you in uh, Colossians 3. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. When we sing, when we do all with thanksgiving in our hearts and with thanksgiving on our lips, we're doing it unto the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father by Him. He also told the church at Corinth, in everything give thanks that we read earlier. So there is no question whether it's a responsibility of Christians to give thanks. It is our responsibility. In fact, we're to be filled with the Spirit. In fact, that's our second point of higher ground, being filled with the Holy Spirit, having the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so Paul said, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, in Ephesians 5, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, if we're going to reach for higher ground, certainly one of those ways that we should do so is to be filled with the Spirit and then let it pour out of us in thanksgiving. So we've got the negative. We have the responsi- or the um, the judgment associated with not being thankful, and we've got the responsibility to be thankful. Maybe that's not quite as positive as much as it is a duty, but there's something more. There are qualities of giving thanks, and those are the definitional terms kind of the essential aspects of what it is to give thanks. Let's look at those and see if they can help us. In fact, turn back with me to Luke chapter 17, where Brother Adam read from us about the um, the ten lepers. And I mentioned to you that, you know, even in America, we certainly enjoy everything that we have. We, we have an abundance of all things, and we enjoy that abundance, and that's what you see in all of those aspects of our... Uh, you know, Black Friday, our, our, our Turkey Day celebrations. It isn't that there's a lack of enjoyment. And don't misunderstand, you should enjoy it, but that's not thanksgiving. That isn't giving thanks, and that's not even being thankful. Because merely enjoying something isn't thanksgiving. You, you know, the nine lepers that didn't come back in verse uh, 17, when Jesus said, where are the uh, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Those nine lepers were no longer lepers because he healed them. Do you think they were enjoying being healed from that terrible disease? Certainly they enjoyed it. No question. But they were not thankful. So don't think that because you have a mirth feast on Thursday that that's sufficient to be showing your thankfulness because you're just enjoying what God's given you. It has to go beyond that. It has to go beyond it because the one, the Samaritan stopped what he was doing, and turned around and went back to Jesus and fell on his face at his feet and spoke words of thanksgiving to Jesus in a worshipful attitude. So we don't want to be numbered in the nine. We want to be the one that turns back when we recognize that God has made a change. You see, thanksgiving recognizes blessing of the gift and the giver, and it even admits that we don't deserve either. So when we give thanks, it's a recognition. It's mentally ascending to the fact that Jesus made something different about us. I'm very thankful that the Lord changed Brother Adam's mind this morning and he read uh, that passage from Corinthians that uh, who make a differ? You know, it's God who makes that difference in us. And if we don't recognize that and then become thankful for it, we're missing the point. So just like the nine lepers missed the point, they were glad they were healed, but they were not giving thanks to the one that healed them. So recognizing that and also the fact that, you know, think about it. Was the Samaritan, uh, if the Samaritan understood like the woman Samaritan at the, will, at the well when she met Jesus, she understood, she didn't even understand why the Lord was speaking to her. That's how she, she knew her place. She understood that the Jews hated the Samaritans. So this Samaritan probably understood that as well. And yet he returned to the feet of Jesus to give thanks. It's recognizing that we don't deserve any of it, and so of course we ought to return to the one that gave us that undeserving to give that thanks. These are the qualities of thanksgiving. These are the. This is a difference. It's not just certainly joy and gladness may come if you're healed from leprosy. You may have some joy and some gladness, but it's that giving of thanks that is initiated through that joy and gladness and recognizing who we ought to be giving the thanks too. So the next point is the glory of thanksgiving. And this is this is one of those that um unless you have faith you can't understand the glory. If the world watches you on Thursday giving glory to God by your thanksgiving by your by the words that you speak to your family and to whoever else you may have in your home, uh if the world recognizes that, they may not think it's very glorious. So, we're not talking about that kind of glory. And Adam even read from, uh, let's see, was that in Jeremiah, brother, about, you know, the wise man glorying in his wisdom and the rich man glorying in his wealth. Um, you know, that's, that's understandable. And from a natural perspective, we understand that kind of glorying. This is a different kind of glorying. There's glory in thanksgiving. And that is the exalted status of simple, simple thanksgiving to God. We talk about often in our, in our services, maybe we have visitors and we explain to them, we just have simple services. You know, there's not going to be a production. We're not, we don't have a band and there's not going to be fog and there won't be flashing lights. We're not putting on a show. It's a simple service. In fact, it says so out on our sign. Simple. And this is simple Thanksgiving. Thursday or any day that you give thanks to God doesn't have to be elaborate and it doesn't even have to be, um, Like David's psalms, unless, of course, you're reading the psalms, it doesn't have to be that creative. It just has to be, and it's something that you have to do. So we give thanks. Hebrews, Paul wrote, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. What is that sacrifice? That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Simple. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. You don't have to say things like David wrote them in the psalms. Though the more time you spend in the Psalms, the the more you may sound like David in the Psalms. You can just read the Psalm. Consider the times of thanksgiving are called sacrifices. Why is it a sacrifice? Well, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. It's because it's something you give up. You give something to the Lord. If you're giving something, it's, it's by nature a sacrifice. And. And the scriptures frequently call it the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Jonah, even in Jonah chapter two, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. Jonah understood that it was to pay the Lord by his mouth, by the things that he said. The voice of thanksgiving was a sacrifice and it was a sacrifice that God wanted. It wasn't a sacrifice that, you know, uh, bulls and goats that he didn't want. By faith we magnify God through the thanksgiving that we give much more than burnt offerings. And when we say that it's simple and it's by faith, think about all the preparation and work that went into giving sacrifices of bulls and of goats. You know, it's not just a simple thing that happens. First of all, well, I won't describe what has to happen. But if you get a chance to go to a butcher sometime, and I'm not talking about the one that's in the back of the store, that's not the butcher the one that actually does the processing of a beef or, a, or something like that, or go hunting with Roland and uh, and watch him field-dress a, a deer, it's work, and it is a sacrifice, and and it's dirty, and it's messy, and they had people that were assigned, Levites that were assigned to do that. Right. All we have to do is offer sacrifice with our lips. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Amen. If this is our sacrifice, it is an easy sacrifice to give. We ought not to then weigh back or hold back and, and keep ourselves from giving it <clears throat> The scripture calls it the calves of our lips in Hosea 14, "O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips." You see, it's the words that are the sacrifice. So think of some words. Put yourself in the Bible, read the words. I'm going to give you some at the end that you can jot down if you're not sure where to go. Simple, easy. God's even given us the words. We don't even have to think of them ourselves. Amen. You know, there is something else, another aspect of the glory of Thanksgiving, and that's if you think about reading in the book of Revelation what it's going to be like in heaven when all the saints come and... <laughs> And heaven's going to be ringing with the sound of thanksgiving. And that's going to be voices singing. All of the saints of God singing around about the throne. The beasts give glory. All the elders fall down. They throw down, cast down their um, crowns, and they give glory to God. And all of them sing and say blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. The words that we use, the enthusiasm with which we use them gives God glory. And we take that and know that by faith. We're not standing in heaven right now. We have a word picture presented to us in Revelation, but we look forward to that. We love, I love to turn back to Revelation and read those chapters. Chapter five, for example, uh, chapter 19, describing our Lord Jesus Christ in his glorious um, appearance in heaven it's wonderful and it causes us to give thanks so there is glory in thanksgiving and it's glory that occurs by faith and not by sight but that shouldn't surprise us because all of our faith is by by faith all of what we believe is by faith and not by sight we have many examples in the Bible so we've covered four topics so far we've covered the fact that God, Will judge us if we don't give him thanks. We covered the fact that there is a responsibility according to Scripture to give thanks by what he's given. We just we covered the um, qualities of thanksgiving. That you know, it's not just the mere enjoyment of those things that he's given us, but actually giving thanks for them. And then we've just covered the glory of thanksgiving. The next is the demonstration. You know, I loved the example that um, that our brother Nathan gave us on Wednesday night. You know, he. let's say he gave us the definition of zeal, he gave us the defense of zeal, and then he gave us the demonstration of zeal. We're going to have a demonstration of thankfulness from men uh, men who loved the Lord and gave thanksgiving. One of those great ones is Jacob, one of the fathers, one of the patriarch fathers of Jacob. When Jacob prayed in Genesis chapter 32, he prayed that prayer and we we just talked about the quality of thanksgiving that its understanding that you're not worthy. If you understand if you come from the standpoint of whatever I have received, I know I'm not worthy, you're going to be thankful, right? Because if you're worthy, why would you be thankful? You deserved it. So you wouldn't be thankful for something that you deserve. You would be thankful for something you didn't. Jacob said, "I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant." For with my staff I passed over this Jordan and now I am become two bands. He was thankful for the fact that he had been, he had become rich. But he didn't say that first. He started with mercy. He was thankful for all of the mercy the Lord has shown him and all of the truth that he was shown. You know, later, after, um, after he had, uh, Recei had been received by his brother and had not yet or you know it didn't wasn't attacked and and Esau was willing to receive him they had peace between them uh, God commanded Jacob and he said in Genesis 35 arise go up to Bethel and dwell there and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments." And let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. Like his father Abraham, he commanded his children and his family to go after him to do those things that were thanksgiving. And so he prepared himself. He was going to build an altar, but he said to his family, put away the strange gods, clean yourself up, put on new clothes, let's get up, let's go, and let's do this thing. So Jacob was one of action and we as fathers are ones that need to call our wives and children to action when it comes to Thanksgiving. We can demonstrate it ourselves like the patriarch Jacob did. Israel was given the Passover. Israel was given the Passover that happened every year, year over year. And the reason for that Passover was a remembrance. It was to call to memory those things that God had did. When we heard uh, Brother Joel, read about the horse and rider falling into the sea. And by the way, those, that passage—it's um, Moses' prayer in, Genesis, in Exodus 15—is um, if you don't know the song, "The Horse and Rider Fell into the Sea," ask one of my kids and they'll sing it to you. It's just a few of those verses set to music, and it's—it's it's glorious because it's the kind of thanksgiving that God wants. Now we don't have—we're not delivered from from Egypt like. Uh, like the Israelites were. But we are delivered, in a sense, from the Egypt that we live in. And God has cr- has destroyed our enemies. Jesus Christ has destroyed our enemy on the cross, our greatest enemy. So we can give praise and we can sing the Scriptures, uh, and that's one that we can do that. But Israel was given the Passover to remember that year over year. And what did they do? They ate some special food. They wore some special clothing. or It wasn't special clothing, but they had their clothing on so they were ready to go. And the purpose of that, God said, after a a long description of, of it in Exodus 13, God said that the purpose of that was when it shall be that thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, what is this, that thou shalt say unto him, by strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of bondage, and so on. And so at the end of that he says, and this shall be for a token upon thine hand And for frontlets between thine eyes, for by strength of hand the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. So we're given a demonstration in the Bible that God gave regular holy days in order to remember, and we make a remembrance of them. Just as Moses and Miriam gave that thanksgiving, and we can do the same. Israel had many laws for sacrifices and thanksgiving as well. So God's given us demonstration of what he expects. He made laws for Israel to follow with regard to giving of thanks and offerings. He even appointed Levites to give thanks. There were offices specifically among the Levites. You know, they had many things that they had to do. Some of them were giving the sacrifices. Some of them were entering into the Holy of Holies. There were Levites appointed to thanksgiving. That was their job. That was their office for giving of thanks. David also was known for glorious giving of thanks. And I hope you had a chance to read his, his Thanksgiving about the collection for the temple in First Chronicles 29 last night. After all the princes of Israel had given uh, gold and silver and brass and iron in order to collect all that because David, you know, had stirred himself up to collect as much as he could to build the temple for his son Solomon to build the temple. Well, then all the princes of Is- Israel saw that and, and by demonstration, by following what David had done, then they gave out of their hearts willingly. And David even prayed that he was excited about that because they gave willingly from everything that they had. And the 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 wonderful thing in verse 13 of that passage that I hope you noticed last night, David prays, Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come from thee and of thine own have we given thee. That attitude of thanksgiving, of gratefulness, comes from a humble heart that understands we deserve nothing. Who are we? We don't deserve what God has given us. And in fact, if we do give anything back to the Lord, we're only giving Him what He already gave to us. And so it puts it in the proper perspective once again. Great demonstration by David in that prayer. You know, David also said that he... Uh, that thanksgiving to God was a pleasure and a privilege that he had, that he loved to do before the great congregation. So when we come into this house, as we're going to do this in the second service, we will have the opportunity to stand before the great congregation and give thanks and praise because, well, first of all, because we're given the privilege of doing it. But second of all, because it's an opportunity for us to show and prove our love for the Lord. He says, He says, David said in Psalm 35, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. On Thursday, you may have a great congregation or you may have just one or two of you around the table. Whatever the case is, this is a different kind of thanksgiving. This is thanksgiving in the house of God among the people of God. There's thanksgiving that you do in your home. There may be thanksgiving, or there, not may, there ought to be thanksgiving that you do in your prayer closet by yourself. But there is a time when there's thanksgiving and praise among much people. And this is our opportunity to do so today, just as David did. David even spoke of giving God thanks at midnight. You wake up in the middle of the night, you're not asleep, consider it's the Lord that woke you up. Are you going to start with thanksgiving or complaints? It's certain that we ought to give thanks to the Lord. And He is going to hear us better, and we'll get to that in a second, if we're giving thanks for all that he does. You know, Daniel gave thanks in Babylon. If you consider he was a captive, uh, he was castrated for the, for the service of king, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, he was taken away from his people. He was made a prince in the province, and he, he was raised up. But um, nevertheless, you know, Daniel's life is an example to us of how to serve in a land, in a situation that's difficult. You know, we get a little bit of inferiority complex, and a lot of Christians um, are stirred up and think that somehow we're terribly persecuted in this country. I get where they're coming from, but we're not terribly persecuted. You know, there has been terrible persecution of Christians, and we may not like some of the things that that some people uh, do to to try to thwart. You know, they throw the Bible out of the schools. They throw prayer out of the schools. They take the Ten Commandments out of uh, the public uh, marketplace. And that bothers us because they used to be there, and so we know what it was like when those days uh, happened. But that's really not persecution because you can still love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You have his word sitting in your lap. So we're we're far better off than Daniel ever thought about being, but he gave thanks, and so we ought to give thanks as well. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ himself gave thanks. When he instituted the the Lord's Supper at the Last Supper, when he sat down with his disciples, and we every time we have the Lord's Supper, do we not pause and break when we break the bread, give thanks? And when we take the cup, we give thanks? And we're not thanking him for the food uh, in that case. We're thanking him for what the food represents that we're about to to have. But even the Lord Jesus Christ, as, as he took the cup, gave thanks and said to them, drink ye all of it. In, uh, in Luke chapter 2, you don't need to turn there. I was going to read this, but I'm going to, for the sake of time and brevity, uh, just tell you about it. You remember Simeon and Anna at the temple. They'd been waiting. They knew Jesus Christ was about to be born, and he was going to be coming to the temple to be circumcised. They knew that. This was not a mystery. That's why so many were saying that were thinking that there was a Messiah that was coming. They were aware and looking for the Messiah to arrive. They had the timing from Daniel chapter 9. They knew it was coming. So Simeon and Anna were there, and Simeon was first, and he gave a a great thanksgiving, a glorious thanksgiving for the Lord Jesus Christ being revealed to him. And he said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. And I could go on. And Anna does something similar. She was, she was coming in that instant to give thanks likewise to the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She didn't keep it to herself. She went out and she told everybody that what she had just seen, that she had just seen the Messiah in infant form in his mother's arms. So we ought to give thanks as well, just as they did, for the Lord Jesus Christ and tell others about it. You can be thankful in your home and you can be thankful with your children and your uh, spouse, but you ought to also be thankful to those around you. It will make a difference. The world is not thankful. Even when you just say thank you for people doing things for you, that's almost uncommon today. But if you say thank you, Lord, that may turn some ears. It may turn some wrathful scoffing as well, but it may turn some ears For those that are so unaccustomed to hearing someone say, thank you, Lord. It's very unusual to hear anybody give thanks to God for anything. They may say thank you to each other, but they don't thank the Lord. So let's also give thanks. Even Paul gave thanks for something as simple as brethren sent to encourage him. So we can be thankful. We've got brethren sent to encourage us. They're sitting to your left and to your right and behind and in front of you. So there are examples, and there are many, many more examples. These are just a taste of those examples of thanksgiving in the Scripture. But we have benefits. I hope you had a chance to read Psalm 103 or remind yourself of Psalm 103 last night if you were meditating on those psalms, to remember the many benefits of the Lord. There are many benefits, and those benefits are the things that we think about with regard to the fact that we have uh, deliverance from God through Jesus Christ from the penalty of sins. That should be something we are certainly acknowledging and thankful for, their benefits and the promises that God has given to thankful people. And it's a promise that if you give thanks, he will give benefits. And then you want to give him thanks for the benefits that he gives. And then he wants to give you more benefits. So it's a self-fulfilling loop that happens in God. In Psalm 50, David wrote, Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Thanksgiving now brings deliverance later, which should bring thanksgiving when you're delivered. It's a wonderful thing that God has put into his word. You know, he keeps a book of remembrance. He remembers when we say these things. When we speak often one to another, he says in Malachi... He gives us, uh, he writes it down, he hears it, and he writes it down in a book of remembrance. What do you want in that book of remembrance? Do you want to be remembered for complaining, for repining, for sitting back and thinking of, of all of the uh, leeks that you could have eaten back in Egypt? Uh, or are you going to be thankful for the manna that he has given you every day? Amen. He has a book of remembrance. I think we want those things to be written very positively about us. The Lord hearkens and hears, and writes it in a book of remembrance that was written before them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And then he says, They shall be mine, and the Lord, saith the Lord of hosts, In that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them as a man spareth his own son. Because you've spoken often of him, because you've given thanksgiving, he will spare you. He will deliver you. So there are many good things, to uh, many benefits to thanksgiving. The things that you receive because of Thanksgiving. Is that a positive motivator the Lord has given? Yes. He gives us, He gives us things for Thanksgiving. It's just, it doesn't even make sense. We give thanks to Him, and so He wants to give back to us, and He, did, he gives us many benefits. Well, there are higher ground reasons for Thanksgiving. And if there's a, if, if the rest of this uh, that we have just said doesn't make any sense to you, that, that I've delivered up to this point, it's not motivating to you. Um, then think about these things because if you're with us reaching and searching for higher ground as the pastor has been teaching us, then these are things that ought to motivate you to give thanks this this uh, Thursday as well as every day of your life. I'm going to just highlight these. I'm not going to elaborate on them because you know them very well. These are the things that, these are the reasons that we ought to give thanksgiving and wise men will thank God for these things. Yes, we'll thank God for our air conditioners and we'll thank God for our refrigerators and our computers and all on, so on and so forth and, and that we have the word of God freely on our, you know, devices and all those. Kind. Yes, there's a place for that kind of thanksgiving. And that's like looking out at the stars. And so then you're not really any better than the heathen who ought to be giving thanks if you're looking at the creation and giving thanks. That's not enough it's fine. I'm not saying you shouldn't be thankful for any of those things, but there are better things that we ought to be thankful for if we're higher ground Christians. The first one is God's holiness. God's holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. If it wasn't for his holiness, we wouldn't be able to, um, we, we, we would not understand that he is a perfect, and good God. You know, it's the it's the word good that um, surprises me. You, when Brother Newell often refers to and is thankful for God being a good father, and I appreciate that remembrance that he brings frequently, because you think about kind of the kindness and the benevolence of God, but he's a good father in that there is no unrighteousness in him. You know, I'm a father that I try to be good to my children. The problem is I'm also a sinner, and so I'm not a good father in the sense of the the way God is holy to his children. We don't have to be fearful that we have a God that's irrational or has any sin in him or that we can't trust him because he is totally free from all sin and unrighteousness and iniquity. He is holy. And so we have a God that is holy, and that gives us cause for thanksgiving, and it's throughout the Psalms. We also have a God that is full of goodness and mercy. And that's the goodness that I was thinking of with regard to him being a good God, that he is merciful and kind and benevolent toward us, and he's filled with mercy. These are higher ground traits. We ought to be thankful to God because he's full of goodness and mercy and that he gives righteous judgments through the word of God. So we're, we're thankful that, yes, we're thankful we have the word of God, but the word of God gives us God's righteous judgments so that we know How to behave, how to react, how to respond in this world, and how to live our lives accordingly. There's something else that maybe this should have been at the top. It's in the middle, but maybe it should have been at the top. And that is, Paul spoke of it, it's an unspeakable gift. How can Paul speak about an unspeakable gift? Paul tried to speak about this unspeakable gift, and it's not sufficient To give us the true understanding of this unspeakable gift, Paul said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. That isn't salvation, by the way. The unspeakable gift is not salvation. The unspeakable gift is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the unspeakable gift. What can you say about him? He's the fairest among 10,000, I tried to say the other day. And that's not sufficient. He is the fairest of all the children of men. That's true, because he is one of the children of men, but he is the fairest. But how can you possibly describe this unspeakable gift, Jesus Christ? If, you, if you've heard the song, I Come, uh, let's see, it's called In the Garden, and it's a song about going and, and spending time with the Lord in a garden, speaking to him, walking along, and, and so forth. If you haven't heard that song, I, I, I commend it to you. I listened to it again last night. That should make if there's if there's anything that motivates you from a, uh your bowels to give thanks to the lord it's the fact that Jesus Christ wants to spend time with me or you in a personal relationship that's worthy of much thanksgiving it's the unspeakable gift of the Lord Jesus Christ Paul thanked God for deliverance from the body of this death it hasn't happened yet fully you know but paul was was in Romans chapter seven was talking about the the um experience of the Christian, that there are things that I want to do that the new man in me wants to do, but I find that there's sin and to law of my members, that there's sin and unrighteousness in me. And so I can't do what I want to do because that's always an internal fight. And then he, he cries out to God and says, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. We ought to thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, that he will deliver us from this body of death once and for all. How about the grace that God has poured out in our church? Paul thanked God for the various ways and grace being poured out in all the churches that he ministered to through his letters and in person. So we ought to pour out our thanks to God for the grace that He has given in our church. You know, Paul also thanked God for his ministry. Paul was ordained a minister of the gospel. And we ought to be thankful for the ministers of the gospel, and specifically for the minister of of the gospel sent to us in this church. We should be thankful for our pastor. Paul thanked Jesus Christ in First Timothy 1 for enabling him and counting him faithful and putting him in the ministry. And so we ought to be thankful that he has done so for us uh, in our pastor. How about the hope of of the resurrection and eternal life? If you're in this world and you see the, the children of this world, they, they fear death. They don't want to have anything to do with death. They stay away from funerals. They hate them. They don't want to see cemeteries. The, one of the reasons our pastor wants a cemetery isn't so that we can walk in with a warm feeling about grandma laying out in the cemetery uh, outside the church building. It's to remind us of the brevity of this life, that we're going to be in that ground someday, and what are we doing today? Because in the ground, our lips will not praise him. That's the reason to have a cemetery outside the church is the the sober reminder of the shortness and brevity of this life to stir us up so that when we come into this house, we're ready to give thanksgiving. We're ready to give thanks. But the hope of the resurrection and eternal life doesn't bother us that we see the graves out there. We're not worried about being in that grave because we have hope that we're going to be taken up out of that grave and raised up to be with the Lord forever. And another point of thanksgiving is that God has even given us the ability and willingness to be in his house, to love his word, to love his people, to serve him accordingly. You know, Brother Zach just prayed a little bit ago that uh, if we're not thankful, make us thankful. If we're not zealous, stir us up to be zealous, Lord. So he gives us that ability and willingness to do those things. And that was in the prayer that David, you know, David pointed out that you read last night, the fact that they even offered willingly was because the Lord made them to do that. And so David thanked them for that. We already said we ought to be thankful in everything and in all things, but we ought to. There is nothing that happens in this world that isn't according to God's hand. In Romans 8.28, that many know, understand that all things work together for good. If you believe that, Scripture says it so you should, but if you believe that, then you ought to be thankful for it. Because you can know, regardless of what is happening to you, even though it doesn't feel like it should be thankworthy, it feels painful, you give thanks anyway, and then that promise kicks in, that benefit of thanksgiving kicks back in, that God said he will deliver you from that affliction. So in everything give thanks, including in your affliction. Okay, we're going to wrap this up with the practice of thanksgiving. The last point is practice. How are you going to do it? Well, many of what, many of the things that we just heard about are practices. It's the things that we can do and we've seen. So I won't reiterate those, but a few other things. If you don't do this, th- this goes back to um, simple. Remember, it's our Thanksgiving is simple. It doesn't need to be elaborate. But one of the things that God has given us in his word is that we ought to give thanks before we eat our food. If you're going to sit down and start chowing down on your Big Mac and your fries without being thankful for it, then you're going to end up in Romans chapter one. It, it, it may seem not a big deal to you that you plopped down the four fifty for your meal at Burger at uh, McDonald's or Burger King if you want to go there. It may not seem a big deal. It wasn't really that big a deal, and and it's not really that good of food. But you've chosen to sit down. You've chosen to eat. And the fact that you can even walk into a building like that and get something good to eat for such a cheap price and be filled. It's better than the manna. Maybe it's not better than the manna, but it's better than manna and and a pile of pigeons that you've been eating for 40 years. I mean, so give thanks for the food that you eat. Even Jesus gave thanks before eating the bread and, and drinking the cup. So we can give thanks for before we eat. But that's not enough. If that's all you are thankful for is filling your belly, then you're no better than the pagans, because they're thankful for that as well, in to some degree. But... If we're praying, if we're in our prayer closet or we're praying publicly, we ought to accompany any petition that we have with thanksgiving. Yes, we have things that we need from the Lord, but if we do not start with thanksgiving and end with thanksgiving, then why should he even consider giving us anything that we're asking for? We wouldn't do so for our children. If our children are always saying, give me this, give me that, give me this, and weren't thankful for it, the best remedy to that is to stop giving them things until they're thankful. Thankful. And then it's just like the best remedy for the sloth is to make his belly button touch his spine. Stop feeding him and he will start to learn to work. So we should be thankful in our prayer, and that should be part of our prayer. We have an annual ordinance in this country called Thanksgiving. And I I chose this topic today because of that day coming on Thursday. But it is a righteous and a good thing. And we ought to be thankful for the fact that we have that day in our country any, any further regardless of what they think of it. Because God gave us that example in, in uh, Exodus 13 of, of establishing the Passover. We don't celebrate the Passover, um, but instead we give our thanks on a day of thanksgiving in this country. It's an ordinance to remind us. And so let's remember and be thankful. You know, the churches of Jesus Christ were known for their public thanksgiving. And what we're about to do in the second service is that public thanksgiving. In 1 Corinthians 14, now remember the topic here, the the, um, context is that Paul was teaching in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 about speaking in tongues and other gifts in the church, and he had had said uh, that things ought to be done decently and and in order. And so in speaking about speaking in tongues in a foreign language, he said, "...else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen?" At thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest. For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. So we're not talking about speaking in tongues here. But we are talking about the fact that it's known that part of the church service in Corinth was saying amen to those that were speaking and then giving of thanks ourselves. So when the brothers get up here today to give thanks, we ought to be ready in the pews to say Amen. The giving of thanks and amen is an exchange, and we speak to one another publicly about th- our, our giving of thanks. So we have to take time to observe and consider the providence of God. I would encourage you, in your Thanksgiving activities, one of the things that, uh, that we have done in the past uh, in our days of Thanksgiving is to make a list. And this takes some preparation. You have to think about this ahead of time. If you haven't already got a list, maybe you already have a list of the things that God has done in your life, the deliverances. You know, we had this past summer our 35-year anniversary, and, and some of those things were we called the, the crossing of the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea, because God delivered us from some some things, or delivered us to some things, if you want to put it that way. So you probably have those act, those things in your life. Take those opportunities to make little piles of stones uh, that are, are piles of stones that your children can say, what meaneth these? stones piled here and you tell them about the things and the ways that God has delivered you so that you then by doing so and remembering and considering these things are glorifying God just as the Israelites did when they said well son the pile of stones is there because one day God parted the Jordan River and we walked across as on dry land that was a miracle And the children understood it. And so you should be doing that with your life and pouring that into your children. And that's one of the things that you can do is observing and considering God's providence. In the Psalms, Psalm 107, David wrote, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. You have to understand and observe these things in order to understand God's loving kindness. And we do that. In your preparatory reading last night, I had you read Deuteronomy 14. And the reason for that was primarily to show you one of the ways that our God is so different. When he calls for a sacrifice, when he calls for for giving him thanks, you know, we're not putting on sackcloth and ashes and bowing down. We're not, you know, on the gravel with our bare knees. None of that. There's no pain involved in this. He told Israel... That they should take the tenth of all the good things that they got out of their field, out of their flock, ten percent of it. And what were they going to do to to honor and bless the Lord as a sacrifice? They were going to eat it. They were going to eat it. And if they couldn't do it in the locale that the Lord had, had called them to do it, they were to sell those things, put the money in their pocket, because it's much easier to carry money in your pocket than it is a bull or a goat or whatever you were going to eat and go to where God had called them to do, and then buy those things, and it was whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. Oxen, filet mignon, right? Or maybe a ribeye is my preference, grilled on the grill. Or sheep, or, or for wine, or for strong drink, or whatsoever thy soul desireth. And listen, what's he want you to do? Thou shalt eat there before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice, thou and thine household." This is our Thanksgiving feast. We're going to take some of the money that the God that the, that God has blessed us with, and we're going to turn it into filet mignon, or in our case, ham and turkey, or whatever you're whatever you're going to have at your at your table. And don't just eat and you know fill your belly up and sit back and and uh, loosen your belt a notch, and then go pass out on the couch and watch football. Thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice. Rejoicing is not something you feel. Rejoicing is something you do. It's a noise that you make. Make a joyful noise. Rejoice because you're, it's you and your household that are with you to do it. Remember Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter 8, when they heard the word of God, what did they do? They sent portions one to another. They took and gave gifts to those that didn't have. That's something that we did as, do as a practice in our home, and we've learned it from our pastor and others that we're giving gifts to our children. It's not an exchange. It's because God has blessed us with so much that we want to give them something and we want them to see a demonstration of what the Bible says is giving of thanks and that's to give gifts to our children. And it's not elaborate and it's not a big deal and you don't have to do it. The point is that I just want I just love the Bible. God makes it simple. We can be joyful in praise, and one of the ways that we do that to show our joy is to give gifts to to someone, and so that's another way you can do it. So how joyful are you? How glad are you? How will you celebrate this Thanksgiving with zeal, as our brother Nathan appointed us to do on Wednesday night? You have to stir yourselves up. You have to make preparations. If you haven't already begun to think about it, you better start because it's just this Thursday. And, you know, I'm not talking about making preparations. I think tomorrow we got to pull the turkey out and put it in some brine or something. Not those preparations. The preparations of your heart and your mind to give a, an effective and good Thanksgiving to stir your children up. To show that you're not just sitting in the pews listening to this, but that you believe it and you're going to implement it in your in your home and with them. What will you do? And how will you make others glad around you? How will you encourage and stir up your wife, your children, anybody any guest you might have in your home? How are you going to do that? Are you going to be prepared to sing? Do you have something that you know you can sing so that you can sing like the old 100th like we did or the doxology or something like that? Be prepared. I will call upon the Lord's a good one. Get somebody that knows it and then just repeat after them. Lastly, you can turn to three different chapters in the Bible. If you want to stir yourself up to how great God is and how he's worthy, you can go to Job, you know, in the mid 30s to the to the first of the 40s where God and where Elihu and God are describing his greatness in creation and in in all the things that he does. You can go to the last 30 chapters of Psalms, almost all of them are psalms of praise from Psalm 120 on to 150, or the 40s in Isaiah is one of my favorite places to be. And 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 Isaiah chapter 40 almost always if I'm if I want to glory in, in the Lord, it's Isaiah chapter 40 or through 49. You've got tools. You've got them in your hands. Let's make this Thanksgiving 2015 the best day of giving thanks that we have ever had. Let's stir our children up. Let's stir our, our brothers up with our thanksgivings that we're going to offer a little later to get us started. Just prime the pump. Be ready to go. And have a great day in the Lord. Amen. Let's... uh Let's have a closing hymn, just a quick one. It's in the Burgundy hymnal number three, it's the Doxology.